It really wasn't that we spent time talking about menus and tablecloths and uh, times that we would do this dinner church or anything like that. It was about building trust with one another um, and building each other up so that we could then go out and be instruments of, of God's grace for the people that had never experienced that before. Dinner churches are starting all over North America. The Dinner Church Podcast is creating a space for conversation with Dinner Church pastors and leaders who are a part of what God is doing through Dinner Church today. I'm JD. I became a Dinner Church pastor two years ago, and I'm retracing my steps and having conversations I wish I could have had when I was starting out. Join us. Lean in. Learn more about what it means to launch and lead Dinner Church. When I started out as a Dinner Church pastor, one of the obstacles I ran into very quickly was, how do I help people understand what Dinner Church is? And specifically, how do I help my key leaders understand what this could look like? And how do I bring them on a journey of discerning what God has called us to as a Dinner Church? Well, my guest today, Heather Evans, has a lot of experience in this area because she's been leading and starting Dinner Churches in South Florida for almost eight years now. And I sit down with her and have a wide-ranging conversation about not only to how to help leaders understand what Dinner Church is and how to form teams, but everything from her own story and journey towards Dinner Church and her own unique experiences of leading Dinner Churches through a pandemic and in the wake of a hurricane. So there's lots of good stuff in this episode. Listen in. I think you're going to gain a lot of insight about what it means to lead a dinner church. Well, hey, Heather, welcome to the Dinner Church podcast. How are you coming to our podcast today? Awesome. It's good to be here and good to see you, JD. Yeah, well, I'm excited for this conversation. I think I first met you or saw you at the national gathering of fresh expressions i don't know if that was yeah. like a year ago now and you had like a mob yeah. of people around you you had your team <laughs> i was like this woman is a veteran and she's got people yeah. around her she is a leader i want to hear more about her story and i've heard yeah. bits and pieces uh Mm-hmm. of it but i'm excited to sit down and have this conversation with you because i'm i'm intrigued to learn more so why don't you start awesome. off just telling people who are listening and me a little bit more about yourself i know you're in florida sure. tell us yeah. tell us tell us uh, your, about your life right. in florida all right cool so um i live way down in southwest florida in cape coral i serve uh here at grace church as the director of Reach, Send, and Fresh Expressions. And um, what I like to say is I lead the ministry that happens outside the walls of the church. Hmm. Um, I also like to say I have the best job here. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah. So, yeah. So I lead a team um, of volunteers, my core team. And what we do is we oversee all the missions locally and globally, as well as our fresh expressions, um, especially our dinner churches. Yeah. Yeah. So you said dinner churches, tell us, just give us a snapshot (laughs) right now of the dinner churches you lead. And then I want to go back a little bit and hear more about how you got to where you are. Okay. So we have been in the dinner church movement actively for almost eight years now, actually, yeah, right, right at about eight years now. 
And at the time when we first uh, launched our first dinner church, we loved it so much and really felt like God was calling us to offer dinner church seven nights of the week so that people who, uh, yeah, so that people who really are able to meet the Lord through dinner church would have that option seven nights of the week in seven different neighborhoods. And so we've made some strides um, toward that vision, but we've had a couple of things, namely COVID-19 and Hurricane Mm. Ian, (laughs) which have really stopped us in our tracks um, in some ways, but in other ways opened new doors uh, as far as dinner church goes. Uh, So our original dinner church, which um, is called Eat, Pray, Love, all of our dinner churches are called Eat, Pray, Love. So Eat, Pray, Love, Suncoast began back in 2016, in August of 2016. And since then, we have had, I believe, whether it's breakfast church or dinner church, we've had eight different um, forms of a meal church over that time. Currently, we're running two. Mm -hmm. Uh, The hurricane knocked one out and also launched a new one. Um, and then, yeah. And then recently we have had to put two of those on hold one because it's outdoor and rainy season is getting us and the other because of, um, complications with the building, but that'll be restarting in August. So. Great. So let me ask you, um, I, I think most listeners might have a general understanding of dinner church and have maybe Mm -hmm. researched it a little bit. But I know enough, having uh, led one now myself for a little while and talked to others around the country, each one is a little bit different. So tell, sure. tell, us, tell us what might, if someone comes to experience Eat, Pray, Love, what would be a little bit different mm-hmm. about their experience? And these are in, oh. these are in uh, North Fort Myers? Uh, a lot uh, of them North Fort Myers, the- Cape Coral, and okay. um, Fort Myers um, urban area. So okay. um, yeah, so even... Among the Eat, Pray, Love locations, they're all different one from the other uh, mm-hmm. based on the, the, the community that they're, they're settled in, the people that attend, and the people that lead those. Um, but in general, what you would experience is um, a pretty flexible, open time of gathering um, where there's a lot of conversation, fellowship going on. Um, and then that you would... Uh, you would see us share what we call our pows and our wows, which are our prayer requests, basically. (laughs) Pows and our wows. Um, Okay. Yeah. yeah, We say the wows are the way that God is showing off and the pows are the way that the world is kind of punching us in the gut. (laughs) Yeah. And so we share those openly together and we pray and um, then we have a meal together. And um, that's a, it's just a really beautiful time. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. a lot of conversation going, a beautiful, healthy meal. Um, and then as the dinner portion comes to a close and we're about to serve dessert, we like to say that dessert is, is not the best part of the meal, but it's accompanied by the best part of the meal, which is our time to, uh, hear Jesus story. Mm. So, uh, so during the dessert portion of the meal, I, or whoever is the leader of that eat, pray, love, we tell a Jesus story and that takes us about five or six minutes. And then there are three questions that are asked every time, the same three questions every week. And we kind of openly discuss those together. And the goal of that is um, we say we, we stay in the gospel because we want people to meet Jesus, get to know Jesus, deepen their relationship with Jesus and become more like Jesus themselves. That, yeah. That's the purpose there. Um, 
and then we pray together and we hang out until until people are ready to go. And that's pretty much it. I love that. I love that. Now I know that your church was called to do this and had that vision of every night. But what about you? Like, how, how yeah. did you uh, come about leading this? And what was it in your own soul and heart that kind wow. of created the energy for you to jump yeah. in and lead this? Okay, well, I'll try to keep this brief. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, so um, I really thought out of college that God had called me to teach third grade for my whole entire life. Mm. <laughs> and so my background um, is in elementary school teaching as well as um, leading children's ministry. So I had led children's ministry here at Grace Church for quite some time. Um, our church has, has this core value or core belief that we want people to really grasp, um, the concept that they are children of God and persons of worth. Hmm. Well, there came a time in my life in, a, in about 2015 that God decided it was time to take me on this really deepening of faith and spiritual journey, um, and growth where I came to realize that I had spent all of my adult life teaching children <laughs> that they were children of God and persons of worth. And yet I had not accepted that for myself. Wow. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that I had not claimed that identity. And so um, it was about a year long process where God and I just spent so much time together, a whole lot of time together. Mm. Um, and at the end of that process, I became a new person. Um, and I believe it's not that, it was a new person so much as it, as it was the person that God had originally designed me to be. Mm. Um, yeah. And so the fear in me of having conversations with adults that were meaningful, that went away. Um, my stranger danger went away, mm. <laughs> all of those things. And it was about the same time also that I started to learn about um, the Fresh Expressions movement. Yeah. And so we had held a vision day here at our church and I was still leading children's ministry at that time. But there were some other things going on here at the church that played into that as well. We had had a community center that we had decided to shut down and close. And in the process of doing that, our ministry team uh, kind of made a promise to God that we're going to shut that building down uh, so that we can go out. And instead of trying to get the people that nobody else wants or sees to come into our building, we were going to go to the people that nobody else wants or mm. sees. And that just, um, that struck a chord in me that I, I can't really explain it. <laughs> mm. I just, I, it just, it was like, God was saying, Heather, this is your project now. Okay. Mm. You're going to see to it. You're going to, you're going to hold this, this ministry team accountable to going to the people that nobody else wants or sees. So long story short, that brought us into the Suncoast community. We started there with a children's program. Um, the county had invited us in. There was a community center there um, that there was just really nothing going on that the community that the, the county had built. And they said, hey, you know, we know that Grace Church kind of likes to help the community in ways. So if there's ever anything you wanted to do here, we would let you do it rent free. So, wow. of course, yeah. And I was still leading children's ministry at that time. And I said, well, let's try a children's program out there. Um, one day a week over the summer. And we did that. And then 
the kids and the families loved it so much that they wanted us to keep doing it. Mm. So we turned that into a one day a week after school program. So after about eight months of that came the national gathering in Virginia. And that's where I met Verlin Fosner. And not the nail in the coffin by any yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I was sitting in his workshop. I had no idea what dinner church was, but mm. um, he, you know, it was just a 45 minute workshop and I was sold. You know, mm. at that time, we had been really trying to discern what our next step in that Suncoast community is. Suncoast, yeah. by the way, is the third largest trailer park in the United States. It's a it's a blighted community, a food desert. It's just, wow. it's a, you know, yeah. yeah. And so I sat in his workshop and I, I just, I, I knew that that was the next step. So I came mm. home from that conference. I sat on my boss's couch in his office and I said, I'd like to start a dinner church next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Well, being who he is, he said, "Well, yes, you should start a dinner church, but not next week. When you build a team, <laughs> when yeah. you have a healthy team that's ready to do it, you can do it." And so, about four months later, we launched it, and it came the, became just the most beautiful, beautiful show of love between friends and neighbors wow. that I've ever been a part of, and that ran for seven years. Um, that community center went through some real, real bad political type, uh, problems. And sadly mm -hmm. that one has come to a close. Yeah. Um, but in that, in that dinner church, we had baptisms, we had weddings, we had funerals and everything in between. We served communion there. Um, wow. it was just beautiful. Yeah. And so, and it was there while we were serving there that God gave us the vision for seven nights a week. Mm. The Dinner Church Collective is a nationwide community of everyday missionaries spreading the word about this simple, effective, and historical approach to starting new churches. We sure hope you'll join us for the Dinner Church Summit November 9th through the 11th, 2023 in Orlando, Florida. This will be the inaugural gathering of the Dinner Church Collective, and it's your opportunity to be a part of developing a family of pioneers passionate about recapturing this powerful expression of God's kingdom. You will meet colleagues who become friends, you will eat really well, you'll worship heartily, and you'll learn tangible practices for building a dinner church movement. Learn more at dinnerchurch.com slash summit. Well, I want to go back a little bit. I okay. heard something in your story that uh, really intrigued me. There was this, this personal breakthrough of... Uh -huh. uh, kind of God disrupting your comfort uh, or your, yeah. your skill and your zone. And I've heard this yeah. story over and over again in talking with dinner church pastors. There is a, uh, I, I don't know it's that it's everyone's story, but I think it mm -hmm. might be a story for the church in general. We're in kind of this comfort zone or this place, a, a way of ministering that Absolutely. God sort of, sort of has to disrupt a little bit. And we need some significant time from him to uh, do the work in us to give us confidence and motivation uh, to, like you said, have the confidence to talk to adults. I, I, that's not the words that you use, but, and that's, but that's, not, what it was. that's not Heather <laughs> Evans. That's like everyone uh, confidence to talk to each other and confidence to 
to show each other that they're beloved children of God who have worth and value, yeah. like you're saying. Like, yeah. that's one thing to do with kids, but it takes a, a certain sort of courage to be able to do that with a, with adults. So I just wanted to point that out because I think that's a common theme in the dinner church leadership Absolutely. Um, journey. My question to you then is, it sounds like you were able to take that um, transformative season from uh, uh, with God and translate that into leading others on that journey. So yeah. what did you have to do as a leader um, once God had spoken those things and to you or the people around you, I know that, uh, the, the, we, uh, the workshop was a pivotal moment, but then when you were actually back in Florida, after you got mm-hmm. off that couch <laughs> in uh, <laughs> your boss's office and he, and you kind of decided on a, a, a plan, what, what, yeah. what, what did the work actually look like to bringing people? Um, cause that's what leaders do. Like we, we kind of, uh, work out of our own transformation and bring people along that similar journey. So what does that look like in a dinner, yeah. dinner church context to give people the confidence to sure. talk with adults around tables and adults that are very different than them, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what it looked like was, first of all, a lot of prayer to figure out who were mm-hmm. the right people to do this with me. Um, and interestingly mm-hmm. enough, what my go-to approach would have been in starting some kind of a new ministry would be my closest friends, you know, the people that I've always done ministry with, that kind of thing. But God did something really different in that time in that he pointed out new people to me. And so, and my boss was really good about encouraging this, Pastor Wessel. He said, you know, pray about who it is that would fit. And you might be surprised by some of the people that God puts on your heart. And so those people were people maybe that I knew of, but wasn't necessarily close to or had, you know, encountered them through different things. Um, and so what I did is took them each one at a time to lunch, to breakfast, you know, met within a coffee shop, whatever, and, and really just shared the vision with them for a dinner church. And I, I had such excitement about what dinner church could be that I was able to share that with them. And, and so we formed this team and we, we started meeting every week over the summer of 2016 and just really getting to know each other and getting to know God deeper, you know, yeah. those things. And it really wasn't that we spent time talking about menus and tablecloths and uh, times that we would do this dinner church or anything like that. It was about building trust with one another mm. um, and building each other up. So that we could then go out and be instruments of, of God's grace for the people that had never experienced that before. That's awesome. Uh, what was helpful in those conversations to help the people who had never heard of Dinner Church before, who would eventually become yeah. your team members, visualize mm-hmm. or understand what you were talking about? And probably you didn't even know what you were fully talking about. I didn't. About, but, <laughs> but you had something. And that something yeah. uh, was enough along with the trust that you just said, said that you invested in, in building, help yeah. them conceptualize what this could be. What were those conversations so, like? What was helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so first we really studied the Suncoast community. Hmm. Um, I brought them statistics and things like that. But there was a time uh, just before 
we actually launched where I actually can remember. Here's the book right here. There you <laughs> this go. This is Berlin Fosner's The Small. It's the small Welcome to Dinner Church book. I can remember yeah. being on a cruise ship and reading this book and going, What a oh place to word. read a book. Awesome. I know. I know. Yeah. And I was like, man, everybody has to have this. Everybody mm. has to have this. And uh, because it did such a great job of just explaining it almost in a Holy Spirit way. It was like the Holy Spirit was was mm. writing this book is how I felt about it. And I want, so I got that in everybody's hands. Um, and then we just talked about, we're not here to rush Jesus. We are simply here to love people, period. Yeah. End of the, you know, the Holy Spirit will tell us when it's time to, to bring Jesus into the mix, you know. Um, one thing we were committed to was always praying. And, you know, people mm. knew we were from a church. Um, and so we started praying right away. And then over time, and it was, I will tell you, much faster than we ever thought that we started bringing the Jesus story in. We started discussing the Bible. We started praying for and with one another. Um and then the relationships started to form, and it was very quickly that there was no balance between the Grace Church people and the people who attended. Mm. We just became a family mm. um, who loved and cared about it. It really became an Acts 242. It became a uh, church. Yeah. It sure yeah. did. It yeah. sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I want to I want to ask a little bit about I I heard it in bits of your story how you brought in your background with children's ministry and mm -hmm. education. What does that look like now as you approach the dinner churches you have and um, have had? What does it look like for children to be among you at dinner church and and what's what's your all's approach to that as pastors think about that sure uh, or leaders yeah. like what's that going to be like for my kids or the kids that show up yeah yeah so um as long as i've been involved in ministry what i know is that children who enjoy themselves wherever they are will drag their parents there <laughs> <laughs> that is a true fact yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and so we have tried a whole lot of different things with children of dinner church. Uh, some have worked, some haven't, but different things work in different, um, locations. Well, what we've kind of landed on is that the children just belong right there at the meal table with us. You know, we have done separate them and let them have their own leaders. Uh, we had one dinner church where we had all the adults at, at tables on the perimeter. And then in the middle, we had a long table, small, you know, preschool size, children's size table where yeah. the kids all sat in the middle and were just kind of surrounded. But what we know too, is that uh, family dinner doesn't take place in most homes the way we grew up, you know? And so we want dinner church to be family dinner in all aspects. And so the kids mm. sit right in with the adults um, and the truth of the matter is because dinner church is a place where we are experiencing mostly people who are not terribly versed in the Bible or don't have a big um, Sunday school or Sunday morning church background. So what we do um, in the, and in the way we tell the Jesus story and discuss it, it's quite appropriate for really kids of 
all ages past age three, I would say, you know, we tell the story in a really lively way um, that our children always take part in the discussion, which is great. And it's amazing Mm. how (laughs) kids can just bring a different element to that discussion that people go, Oh, (laughs) that's true. But also the kids love to serve. Mm. Um, and so at our Monday night dinner church, we have two little girls that pass out the silverware and they do the salad dressing. Um, and it's, it's just really, it's part of a family. So Mm. does that answer your question? Absolutely. I want to come. That sounds amazing. I got got three little kids and they would love that. And that's a really big part of our community as well. Our dinner church. Sometimes we Uh have, uh, we look around and we're like, man, almost half the people here are under 18. So it's, uh, it it resonates deeply with even our experience and it's, uh, dinner church is, uh, I think I understand Jesus's words. Let the little children come to me, not just in like a cute little, um, that we put on greeting cards or something like that but like there's a dynamic that happens in dinner church when the kids take the lead and adults kind of sit back and be like hmm i'm learning something right now and i'm supposed to be the teacher uh that's Uh a beautiful moment that i think in the the messiness that can be dinner church and trying to do family table that emerges Uh because the, the spirit of god has cultivated uh, something beautiful around the table. Right. So. And the children help us grasp the childlike faith, you know, yeah. it, that it helps it come to life. Absolutely. This sounds great. I want to fly to Florida and come. <laughs> as, <on>. you, <laughs> as you said earlier, uh, there's been some significant disruptions. All of us oh. experienced uh, uh, COVID in our own ways and the disruptions it brought and certainly a table centric model of church was probably really disrupted in that. Uh, and then the hurricane that came. So talk to me a little bit about the grief you all experienced through those things and yeah. what God sort of shaped on the other end of that grief, or even as you walk through that grief. And then how, how, how did you lead your community through that? And how was yeah. the dinner church? Sure. Uh, space uh how is that helpful in that okay sure so contrary to popular belief florida did experience covid <laughs> <laughs> oh yes yes uh, yeah and so we did have to go to takeout meals the really cool thing though uh, that that my team does not count as small is that we would consider both covid and hurricane ian as disasters in our community But through both of those disasters, we launched brand new dinner churches in the midst of of the mess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, during COVID out at Suncoast, we did our takeout meals. We quickly realized that um, simply handing out a meal while masked and gloved uh, was not loving our people the way they needed to be loved. Hmm. And so after a few weeks of that, we actually started to... We would have people hand out the meals while myself and a couple of our my team members were on a Zoom or on a. I think we did we did it on. I can't even remember the name of the program now. Um, But so we streamed the Jesus story, Mm. and what that became was really incredible because we were you know we we invited different guests in, but then if you looked in the chat. 
the prayers that were being shared and the community that was being felt, we realized, wow, so there is a way to do this. It's not our preferred way of being church, but for now we can do it this way. Um, then also during COVID, we had just prior to that happening, we had felt God calling us to our newest neighborhood where we wanted to launch a dinner church. Well, we, we obviously couldn't do that. Mm. So um, the county gave us permission that to, we explained that we wanted to have dinner church. And they said, you mean you want to give away free groceries? <laughs> we said, sure, yes, we want to give away free groceries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so they gave us permission to set up in the health department parking lot, which just happened to be right next to the development, the, the, the neighborhood that God was calling us to. Yeah. Um, and so we set up and yeah, we gave away free groceries and we gave away free diapers, but we also gave away hot meals and we had a prayer station where people just came and hung out and talked, um, it, you know, six feet apart so with our masks pray, on. Eat, pray, love still happened. Yeah, it sure did. And yeah. so not only that, this was a, this was a new location. Yep. And so in the midst of that, um, as things started to settle down with the virus, we actually took it indoors and we were afraid that we wouldn't be able to make it dinner church because people's understanding of dinner church was, you know, free handouts. But mm. as only God can do, that transition became very natural once we moved inside and, and we were able to transform it into a normal dinner church setting, um, which was, was beautiful. So then uh, take us to the hurricane. We. <laughs> we had just been told that that, that dinner church uh, that I just spoke of, that we were no longer going to be able to use that building. Uh, we were renting space from another church and they were going to renovate it. And they said, you know, you're not going to be able to use it on Monday anymore. So you're going to have to find somewhere else. Well, literally the week of the storm, we secured this other location. Um, and then the storm came. <laughs> Mm. And it was ugly. It was like nothing we have ever, ever, you know, we do hurricanes here, but this, this was so much more than just our normal hurricane. And so in that neighborhood, um, the, it's called Pondella, where we had started in the health department parking lot. It's a Hispanic community. And we were really struggling with communication um, there because we had lost our Spanish speaking leader. And so it's funny because in, in our prayer time, we just kind of said, maybe God is saying it's time to move on and move out of this neighborhood. Mm. Um, and so the, the church, we found a new location a couple of miles down the road. So the hurricane came and the Red Cross was everywhere. The Salvation Army was everywhere. Everybody under their sun was, was here. Well, disaster relief is part of my job here. And mm. so we're a big church and we've always been known to help the community. And so we, we didn't have power for two weeks, but we still set up what looked like a Sam's club in our church wow. full of donated things. Yeah. So we had semi trucks coming nonstop, dropping off donations and whatnot. And quickly, I just kind of forgot about Pondella because we were so busy. I mean, we were doing 12 hour days here. And our lead pastor, George Acevedo, came up to me while I was, you know, manning the warehouse, so to speak. And he said, has anyone been over to check at Pondella? Hmm. And I said, no, we just, we haven't had time. I said, why don't you go? So he loaded up our U-Haul that we had acquired 
um, with some supplies and went over there and he came back and he said, Heather, you've got to go. You, they need you there. Mm. So, yeah. So the next day our team went over there and we just did a walk and talk with the neighbors who we had never really felt so relational with because of the language barrier. And then immediately the language barrier melted away and love was able to be spoken just in a lot of other different ways. So, um, also at the same time, a whole lot of donations were coming in for disaster relief, monetary donations, uh, to the tune of over $200,000. And so we knew that we had to steward that. And so we dedicated those resources specifically to the Pondella community. Every, every trailer in there had had anywhere from 18 inches to four feet of flooding. So their homes really were destroyed. Um, and seemed unlivable, although they stayed living because they had nowhere else to go. So in that time, we really got to know the neighbors in the community like never before. And in the early days, there was lots of people coming and bringing hot meals. So, you know, and so we thought, well, let's try a dinner church. We'll do it on Wednesday night. The first night we showed up, we bought a truck. We were going to set up tables outside and we got there and there were three other trucks there serving meals. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so we said, you know, this is all going to go away in a week when the world forgets that we had a hurricane. And sure Mm. enough, it did. Hmm. And so through relations with the slumlord manager, (laughs) um, as he could see that what we were doing in that community was all good, um, he finally allowed us to set up picnic tables in an open lot. And there's so many more beautiful details to this story. And yeah. so we launched an outdoor dinner church there. And it was more attended than any time that it had mm. been in the actual brick and mortar building across the street. Wow. And it was just beautiful. And what we what it was doing, you know, people were so tired, just so tired. Um, it was hot. There was no air conditioning. Um, mm. There, you know, many people were out power were without power for even months after the storm. And so this Wednesday night at the picnic tables, when this truck pulled up with hot food and prayer turned to be life changing for these families there. And so very quickly we had church. Um, I'll tell you a cool story. So Easter came and in the past couple of years, we had done like a little Easter egg hunt for the kids at the church. Well, this time, um, and our team would grill hamburgers and hot dogs. Well, the women of this community came to us and they said, we're going to provide the food for Easter. Mm. And um, so we had Easter dinner at these picnic tables. And as time was, it was coming time to start, the women would be walking down the dirt roads of the trailer park, carrying these big trays (laughs) of Latin food. Um, (laughs) Wow. And it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. I mean, you talk about an agape feast. (laughs) Yeah. It it was, you know, and that's when we knew, okay, so we have church here. Um, For Ash Wednesday in that trailer park, we were able to do position of ashes. Um, We have done communion there, which is interesting Mm -hmm. because the background of most of those residents is Catholic. Um, and it's just been really cool. So on Thursday of this week, we'll start our one day a week children's program in the morning. Uh, the women have asked us to start 
offering English lessons. So we've been yeah. doing that. So it's just, yeah. So God will take a mess and turn it into something beautiful if you let him. Yeah. I, I love in your story about being the truck that stayed like the, yeah. I mean, like I can imagine how like there's gratitude for the flood of help after something like that. But there's a deeper sort of love, a deeper sort of nonverbal communication you're making to your neighbors that we're here yes. for you, not just yeah. when it's real bad and when we can put our volunteer shirts on and show up and do the handouts. But uh -huh. we're here for you, not just for how right. we how we feel about how we're responding to something in the world, the world. But yeah, we truly care about you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And when we sit on either side of that picnic table, looking at each other and listening with love and praying yes. together and all of those things that you experience in a good church. I think that's a beautiful representation about the power of dinner church. And one of the misnomers of dinner church, people often when they hear about dinner church, think about those sort of handout situations or like a, a, yes. a, a sort of soup kitchen sort of thing comes into their mind. and. I, I I love the moment when people come and experience dinner church for the first time and sit across those tables and experience the stories that are behind the legacy of those dinner churches yeah, to understand yeah. that it's so much deeper than sitting behind a food line and handing out mashed potatoes. It's about sitting yeah. eye to eye across from people Absolutely. and consistently in a location yes. saying we're here and you're invited to the dinner table. And now it's not just our dinner table. It's your dinner table too in your neighborhood in your space yeah. i love that yeah and and you will see how the people who first just attended become the iced tea makers and the mashed mm -hmm. potato scoopers and yeah. the, you know uh, yeah and it, it does it really becomes church but that um understanding of what dinner church really is is so crucial yeah uh, from the get-go so yeah and it, it is hard to explain. And uh, people often just have to go and experience and, and they go, oh, this. And uh -huh. I, I remember yeah. that moment when it happened for me. And I'm hopeful uh -huh. for more and more people to be able to yeah. have that. Okay. So to conclude our time, I've got a rapid fire round for you here just to round out okay. our time. I've got a couple <laughs> quick questions just to round out our time. I got a couple of them just looking for one sentence responses from you. Okay. So here we go. Are you ready? Feels like I a wish game I, show. Yeah. I know. I wish I had a drum roll <laughs> sound effect. I don't know if that's possible. Here we go. Uh, All right. No, this conversation has been amazing and uh, I'm, this will just be a fun way to round it out. Cool. What's the best part of dinner church for you lately? Ah, just the people and the unexpected uh, workings of God. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite dinner church meal? Ah, mashed potatoes, gravy, meatloaf, <laughs> and ice cream for dessert. It's yes. everybody's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, if you would recommend favorite. the is the ice cream the favorite or all parts of that meal? Depends on who you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's yeah. great about for the, the meal. homeless people. Yeah, for our homeless friends, it is definitely the meatloaf. Uh, um, I love it. And for the kids, it's the ice cream. For me, it's the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I love ice cream too. That would be mine. Yeah. yeah. If you could recommend one book, article, resource, someone interested in dinner church should check out, what would it be? 
Okay, so there are a ton, but I think I already told you my one, which is yeah. this one. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Dinner Church. Yep. Well, welcome Rowan to Foster. Dinner Church. Welcome yep. to Dinner Church. It's just a little one. It'll take an hour to read. If you were in an elevator with a future Dinner Church pastor and you had mm. a couple sentences to tell them a word of advice about their next few years, what would it be? Yeah, I would say, um, this is the pastor we're talking to, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say be a pastor Mm -hmm. and, uh, listen to the Holy spirit. Very good. Heather, this has been amazing. I'm excited to hear more about what develops, uh, in South Florida and what God continues to do through dinner church. We're so grateful for your voice, your leadership in the movement more broadly. And uh, I'm so excited for people to hear this and a little bit more about you. So thank you for being here. Ah, Thanks for having me, JD. Have an awesome day. You too. Thanks for listening today. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your Dinner Church story. You can connect with us over at dinnerchurch.com. It's also where you can find a lot of great resources about how to start or sustain your Dinner Church journey. Dinner Church Podcast is brought to you by the Dinner Church Collective and Fresh Expressions. The Dinner Church Collective is a nationwide community of everyday missionaries spreading the word about this simple, effective, and historical approach to starting new churches. We sure hope you'll join us for the Dinner Church Summit November 9th through the 11th, 2023 in Orlando, Florida. This will be the inaugural gathering of the Dinner Church Collective, and it's your opportunity to be a part of developing a family of pioneers who are passionate about recapturing this powerful expression of God's kingdom. You will meet new colleagues who become friends, all while eating well, worshiping heartily, and learning tangible practices for building a Dinner Church movement. Learn more at dinnerchurch.com summit. This season of the Dinner Church podcast is hosted by Heather Evans and J.D. Larson. It's edited by Joel Limbowen and produced by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Morton. Dr. Verlin Fosner is the director of Dinner Church Collective and Dr. Chris Backert is the North American director of Fresh Expressions. If you have learned something or been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and even share this episode on social media. May God bless you as you serve Jesus' kingdom.